like everyone's an expert at something that is kind of a core principle. I think of side hustling, everyone's an expert at something and it could be like some video game. It could be knitting. It could be some hobby that, that, um, is very esoteric or random, but your friends always ask you about it or like, you're really good at, I don't know, getting out of traffic tickets or you're, you know, like <laughs> I, I, a lot of successful side hustles are these really random kind of things, you know, yeah. like things that people haven't even thought about and end up being like six figure businesses. What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. As always, we're talking with experts in process creation, automation, and delegation, basically the people that know how to make business easier. You just heard Chris Gillibo, and this episode is all about the process of creating a side hustle. Chris is the New York Times bestselling author of The $100 Startup, Side Hustle, The Happiness of Pursuit, Born for This, and his newest book, which comes out in April, called The Money Tree. During a lifetime of self-employment that included four years as a volunteer aide in West Africa, he visited every country in the world before his 35th birthday. That's 193 countries. He's the host of the Side Hustle School podcast, which is a daily podcast downloaded more than 2 million times a month. And I've gone to his events, the World Domination Summit. I've read his books, and this guy has been hugely influential for me. So I think you're going to love this. What I really liked about this episode is that Chris takes us behind the scenes on the podcast, on the events, and on his process of making books that have turned him into the thought leader that he is. And he'll share tips on how to develop your own side hustle. When he was getting started, he had to cobble together that income to afford him the ability to travel around the world. So whether you work for a company or you're trying to start your own, I think you'll find his tips really helpful and the process to get started is in this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Can this business thrive without the owner? You've got to start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. Welcome to Process Makes Perfect. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio. And as you heard in the intro, today we're talking with Chris Gillibo. Chris, thank you so much. Welcome. Chris, thank you so much. It's a big honor. This is easy. Chris and Chris. Exactly. I won't mess this up. So, <laughs> so today we're going to talk through a few things. We, we focus on process in this podcast. So we're going to talk about the process of building side hustles, which I think could mm -hmm. be more important than ever right now. And the process yeah. of building communities, which is also probably more important than ever. So I, I, I don't know if you want to give us a brief background or if we should just dive right into it. How, you, why don't I start? The, the first thing I ever read of yours was a manifesto you created called A Brief Guide to World Domination, which is the best name ever, I would say. Yeah, very modest title. <laughs> so I, I picture it being like a Jerry Maguire kind of moment where late at night you pounded out this whole manifesto. What, what was the actual story? What was the inspiration? Yeah, there? man, I love talking about process. I, I am excited about process. Um, like I had this project of going to every country in the world, which is kind of connected to The Brief Guide to World Domination. And for me, like I spent 11 years doing that, like trying to visit every country in the world, which I did. And it was all about process. Like it was like, I was, you know, I, I, I had to love the process. I think if anybody did it and didn't love the process, that'd be very difficult, you know? So I've been thinking about that for a long time. And with, with, um, brief guide to world domination, the process for that was like, well, I, I think I have something to share. This is going back 11 years now. I think I have something to share. 
Um, you know, I've, I've been an aid worker for four years. I've got this quest to go to every country. I've been an entrepreneur. Um, but what, what is my message basically? And so started crafting like all these notes about, um, you know, what became the art of nonconformity, uh, my original blog under the tagline of you don't have to live your life the way others expect. And so the, the brief guide to, to world domination was kind of like a compilation of like some of my experiences, some other people's experiences around that time and just kind of offering a different way to see the world. Um, and that it's, it's cool that you read that because that is, like I said, going back quite a ways. Um, but it's, it's what allowed me to kind of start doing what I'm doing now. So when you think about the process of visiting every country mm-hmm. and as you were writing that book, you, you were an aid worker. How'd you afford to visit every country? What were the logistics that, that Absolutely. you did? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've written a, quite a bit about this. Um, I did a whole book called the happiness of pursuit, which was, a, you know, a little bit of memoir of my journey in quest, but also like the global story of quests. Um, like why do people do that? And you know, what do they learn? What do they sacrifice and such, but to try to give you like a direct concise answer. So the first, um, 100 countries cost about $30,000. And when I realized, uh, yeah, exactly. That was my response. Like when I actually realized, like, I, well, I was an aid worker for a while. Like I said, four years in West Africa, I, I just kind of naturally had traveled to like 30 countries um, by the time I was like 25 or so. And so I, I started by like setting a goal of going to 100 countries. And that's when I added up the difference between what I had been to them and like 100. I was like, it's got to be like $30,000. And I was like, man. You know, people, um, like I wrote about this too, like people are, are buying SUVs, you know, back home, you know, at, at the time that cost $30,000 easily mm-hmm. and cool. You're like nothing, I'm not saying people shouldn't buy a nice car or whatever, but for me, I was like the value of, um, you know, being able to go to a hundred countries, like that's, you know, an immense. And so after a hundred countries and I was like, let's go to every country in the world. And, um, and at that point I kind of had a career, you know, attached to it. I was writing books, I was doing little businesses and such. I don't know the exact cost for the final hundred. It was more than 30,000, I'm sure. Um, but it's not like an astronomical amount of money. I mean, the biggest challenge was not money. It was logistics, basically. Yeah. It was process essentially. Yeah. The first thing you said on here was, you know, when you have these big goals, you've got to love the process if you're going to accomplish yeah. those things. So that's right. So you must right. have loved it. So did, did you have did you have side gigs or side hustles through through that to be able to fund your travels? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go back. So let's like age 19 to 27. Basically, I had I, I never had a job like I was always working outside the formal economy. I learned to sell stuff on online auctions when those first came out. eBay.com was this cool new site, you know, back in 1999, basically. And I, um, you know, started by selling stuff around my apartment. And I learned to like buy coffee and Lego and video games and other stuff and resell it. And it's not like I was getting rich, but it was really exciting because I was like, wow, I'm 19 years old. And like, you know, the last job I had was paying $8 an hour and I'm making like $15 an hour without even knowing what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And like, if I get better at this, I'll, I'll make more, but not just so I can make more money. It's like, this is the key to freedom. Like this is the key to like a life that I want to live of my own. So, I mean, from there I learned about a lot of like internet marketing stuff and like building websites and affiliate income and Google AdSense and information products and all this stuff that eventually kind of like coalesced into, okay, I'm going to write a blog and go to every country in the world. I want to write books. And that was my ambition at that point, like age 30. Um, I had, you know, came back to the States from being overseas, um, and did grad school and was like, okay, what's next. And I had the choice to either do a PhD program or, um, 
you know, kind of go all in with the blog. And I'm so, so, so glad that I was actually rejected from most of the PhD programs I applied to. And I cannot imagine an alternate reality uh, in which like I was accepted and I went, you know, like I'm, I'm really, really glad for that. So, all right. So you, you built this, this business and this life for yourself, writing and doing your blog and you had other businesses too, like uh, the, the travel cartel. And was that all during the same time? Yeah. I mean, it's all a little bit kind of like, you know, mixed together. I mean, like that membership side travel hacking cartel. Um, I started that, I don't remember exactly the year, but it was after I had been blogging. Um, and I did that for like five years. Uh, we eventually just kind of like retired it, sunsetted it. And I mean, it had lots of little, little projects. I had a business called unconventional guides. It was like information publishing and such. And I mean, I, I was never good at like scaling a business and you know, I was never good at like this whole like model of, um, you know, creating a SaaS or whatever. Like for me, it was, it was very much like, how can I create a life, a lifestyle that, that, that allows me to do what's important to me and contribute meaningfully and not be dependent, you know, on anyone else for my income and my well being. And I mean, then like right now, obviously like people are asking themselves, like, how can I not be dependent on a corporation, on the government, on like, I have to be able to, to provide for myself. Even if you have a job, even if you have a good job, that's cool. Like it's fine. But like, what if you didn't have that job? You know, what if you didn't, what if next year you don't love that job anymore? What if something changes? So like I always, I was very attracted to that value of self-reliance. And for me, it was like, how can I really express that and then hopefully pass it on in some way to others. Do you think that everyone could have a side hustle or is there something innate that people need in order to pull it off? I don't think there's anything innate about it, man. I think like, you know, I, I used to live in West Africa and like every person in the world there, every person in the country has a side hustle. Like you can't live in lots of countries in the world um, without doing something to make your own way because there's not much of a formal economy. There's not like LinkedIn, you know, in the village in Sierra Leone. Or, um, so no, I, I, I would never say it's easy. I never want to be like, this is the get rich quick plan or anything at all like that. But do I believe that everybody has something within themselves that they can offer to someone else you know, and can they learn the very basic business skills of creating a product or a service? Yes, of course. You know, and not only can they, but I think, I think most people probably should. So since this is a process show, I've gotten asked those yeah. questions too, from people that say, I want to start something. I don't know what to, yeah. what to start. What, yeah. what would be the step-by-step sequence that you would tell that person to figure out how to make money for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's usually like a little bit of a back and forth interview. Right. And so we can't, uh, obviously interview every single listener, um, you know, who's, who's, you know, part of this conversation. But what I would say, like the first thing I would say to them is, okay, well, let's, let's talk a bit about your skill set, um, which is quite different from saying like, what are you passionate about? You know, yeah. like, what do you like to, I don't, I don't usually start with that. It's like, what are you, what are you good at? And, some people, you know, have an answer for that. Other people are like, well, I don't actually know what I'm good at in terms of, you know, making money or in terms of being marketable. And so then you have to unpack it a little bit because, you know, I think some people think I'm only good at something for my career. Like I was trained in this kind of engineering or this kind of software development or firefighting or, you know, whatever it was, but I don't know how to like take this skill and apply it in the new economy. And that's essentially what I'm trying to help people do is like, okay, so you've got your education, you've got your work experience, you've got the things that you're an expert in. Like everyone's an expert at something. That is kind of a core principle, I think, of side hustling. Everyone's an expert at something. And it could be like some video game. It could be knitting. It could be some hobby that, that um, is very esoteric or random. 
but your friends always ask you about it or like, you're really good at, I don't know, getting out of traffic tickets or you're, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, a lot of successful side hustles are these really random kind of things, you know, yeah. like things that people haven't even thought about and end up being like six figure businesses. So, so then it's like, how can we go from your, like your skill set to your idea and then from your idea to an offer because everybody has ideas. If you ask the average person on the street, like do you have business idea? Oh yeah, I got this idea, you know, but nothing's happening with it. And so um, I'm trying to help people like, what is your product? What is your service? Like, how is this idea offered to the world? How can I, as, as a consumer, give you money for it? You know, where do I go to do that? What's your Venmo, your PayPal, your website, you know, your shopping cart. But like, so I'm trying to get people like nuts and bolts. Um, so I think it starts with that skills, you know, skills, idea, offer, product, service, you know, then launch. Nice. So I remember another book of yours I read was the hundred dollar startup, which was kind of like the playbook for this, right? So if, if people are going through that, didn't it have kind of the sheets that you could fill out to craft your offer? Yeah, that was a very how to driven book. Um, and also side hustle, um, from idea to income in 27 days. That's a very process driven book, um, which is good. And like, I'm a process oriented person. As we said, I just have learned a little bit like the, the new book, the money tree is a story. And I'm trying to teach through the story. So there is still a process there, but it's not presented in a didactic form. It is, it's not like step one, do this, step two, do this. I think in some ways, um, we actually learn more from, from stories and we retain more information from stories. Um, so you actually might learn more from, from, you know, reading that than you would from reading the checklist or whatever. And, and like, I like both of course, but if I think back about like, think about songs that you heard as a kid, you can sometimes remember the entire lyrics, you know, to these songs, right? Because it's, it's, it's something that's different than just like a, a how to, you know, process driven thing. Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Yeah. Like, right. Live in most of our lives. Right. And then also the, uh, you know, what's the other parody of it. Right. Forget that, that one. Uh, Amish yeah. Paradise. Oh uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Weird Al. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so as the, as the side hustle expert, you also have a podcast, uh, called side yes. hustle school. So uh, how long have you been doing the podcast for? I have been doing it for 1153 days, approximately. Crazy. I started at January 1, 2017, been doing it every single day since then. Um, and, uh, every day for the first three years, every day I told a different story. It was all case study model. It was extremely processed. It was like, this is this person, this is Chris over here from so-and-so. And like, here was his idea and here's how he made it happen. Here's what tripped him up a little bit. Here's what he got wrong. Here's what he got right. You know, here was the outcome 10 minutes a day, like really short because trying to make it for, you know, busy people, right. Um, busy people who actually have jobs and don't have time to listen to like super long stuff, you know, all the time. And now I'm doing, uh, still doing two stories a week, but the rest of the time I'm doing like question and answer, uh, from listeners who are launching their projects. So it's really cool because, um, I, I committed to doing it for a year and then just kind of kept going because now a lot of the stories on the program are coming from listeners who've been listening in like year one, year two, and like they have started their project. And, um, so that's really fun. I like that. Yeah. And the format's different too, because you're reading these stories. So it's not necessarily yeah. an interview format. It's more curated and it's easy to listen to, mm -hmm. which, which I like. So right. definitely check out the podcast if you haven't already. Now in this kind of COVID-19 era uh -huh. that, that we're living yeah, in, that right, we're recording man. this in, yeah. what, what do side hustles look like today? Is, is there any, mm. any recommendation you're making? My recommendation is to um, embrace the uncertainty and to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, if, if this sounds like too philosophical, like I assure you, it's very practical. Like it's meant to actually be like very, like, how can I, you know, uh, how can I apply 
you know, what's happening essentially. And so I always have to be careful when I talk about this, cause I want to just say like, I'm not, you know, making light of something that is extremely disruptive and yeah, obviously completely. damaging, you know, right. Um, so that's, that's that, but it's not like I'm saying there's a silver lining. It's more like also in addition to like the destruction and the disruption, mm-hmm. um, you know, systems are being changed. All kinds of people are working from home, uh, who have never done that before. I hear from a lot of people that like, have wanted to work remotely. Um, their bosses always said no, you know, or whatever. And like now that here's their chance, you know, yeah. and people are also having to like learn new habits and new rituals and new routine. I'm hearing from pe- a lot of people that are actually like, I'm actually working on my side also during the day now. And I wasn't able to do that before or whatever. So I think, um, there's always like winners and losers in the marketplace for, you know, anything. It's like the, the most obvious thing is like, don't you wish you could go back in time and like start that hand sanitizer company that you dreamed of as a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to like, like that's like that's like super like you know obvious. But also like people are looking for security. They're looking for assurance. You know, they are looking for community. Like you, you mentioned that at the beginning. Like I think actually now more than ever, people need community because like we're stuck in different places and we're taught to kind of be afraid of people. Like that's not what it's said, but that's kind of what's implied. And um, so it, like it's it's distur- it's disturbing to the psyche. It's disturbing to like society. Um, but hopefully, you know, out of it will also come a lot of stories of people that are like, never would have done this if it hadn't been for this. Cause I get a yeah. lot of that stuff. You're like in hundred dollar startup, like the whole book begins with this guy who's like opened this mattress store and he was uh, retired or he was a laid off advertising executive and had been doing advertising for 20 years. And now he's like this entrepreneur. It's actually a seven figure business now. Wow. And he said, I never would have imagined in a million years, I was going to open like a retail store but you know, I kind of got pushed and that led to something different. So that's amazing. Well, even in the, yeah. And even in the uncertainty right now, I, I saw a story that's, I think local Do you. Are you, are you in the Portland area? Is that yeah, right? most of the time. Yeah, so, so there's a distillery, I think in the Portland area that started making hand sanitizer. Did you hear about that? I did actually. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, and- they already have a good business model now without doing that, you know, during this time, right. uh, just making the gin or whatever. But yes, that's, that's pretty cool. I did see that. Yeah. And so the exposure that they're getting, the press is almost like another kind of currency that, you know, you can build. So, so that's kind of a good shift, I guess, into community building. You know, you started this, this whole journey, you said 11, 12 years ago, and Mm -hmm. you've built an amazing following and published books. And you've got this world domination summit that you've put on every summer. Right. And, and there is an incredible community behind you. So do you think it was right place, right time that you started the, the thing? Or do you think uh-huh. it's something anyone can do even today? I think there's always the right place and right time element to any success. You know, I think anybody who, who says like hundred percent, I built everything myself, you know, you're like, well, you probably had some good, you know, you had some good chances as well. And, but it doesn't mean that they don't work. It's like the whole thing about luck is like, you know, to be luckier, take more chances, right. To be, you know, to be, you know, to be more fortunate, like more, you know, swings at the, at the bat or whatever. But so I'm sure there's like you know, timing to it. But for me, it was, I, I do believe that now more than ever, people are looking for connection now more than ever. It's, it's, you know, e-commerce is like widespread, like it's not just mainstream, it's everywhere. You know, it was a lot more unusual when I started doing stuff 20 years ago. Um, everybody has a PayPal or a Venmo account. If you walk into every coffee shop, like, um, you know, there's like a lot of people there just kind of working on their side hustle, which was also, you know, on everybody thought you were on drugs or like you were selling drugs or like (laughs) porn. Like they thought there was only two internet industries that existed like 20 years ago, you know, kind of shady about it actually. And now it's like everybody does it. So 
I think there's always times when some one thing is easier and one thing is harder, but so those specific things change over time, but the, the chance to, to put forward a message and connect with people like that's always there. Yeah. Well, like you said, people could embrace this. You know, this is a time where I'm seeing a lot of virtual events popping up. So right. it's even easier to do those types yeah. of events. So, so make it happen, I guess. All right. So I guess to, to wrap this up, you're, you've got a new book that is, did it just come out or it's coming out the money tree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends on when people are listening to this, uh, publication date is April 7th. It's called the money tree, uh, a story about finding the fortune in your own backyard. I love it. And what, what can people expect to get out of that book? Well, they can expect, first of all, to, to enjoy the story. It's a story of this young guy who, um, you know, has a good job and is a hard worker, but has a lot of student loan debt, like so many people these days. Um, and he's kind of, it's actually affecting his entire life. Like he has a lot of debt. He's getting kicked out of his apartment. It's affecting his relationship, all that kind of stuff. And he realizes that he can't just work harder. He can't just like, he's already doing a good job. He can't just start driving for Uber. That's not going to solve his problem. He has to do something different. And so he goes on this exploration of uh, first learning to resell stuff like his, his college textbooks and he gets a thousand dollar challenge. Like somebody's like, can you make a thousand dollars in the next week? And he's like, well, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be in this problem. And they're like, well, just try. And so he kind of has to work that out. And then he starts a service business and you know, a lot of different stuff happens along the way, but I think they're going to learn through that process. They're going to learn, like, there is something that I can do. And my hope is always like with all my books, whether it's the how to books or like this book is that people will finish the book and not just say like, Oh, that was a cool book. You know, like that's nice to hear, but I'd rather hear, hear like, Oh, this is a good book. And it got me thinking about something. And then I went and like, you know, got online and started my thing or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, like it helped them take action. That's what I hope it will help. Absolutely. Well, your books have done that for me. So I'll say thank you on behalf of all oh, the listeners. It's, you know, it's funny that hundred dollar startup book, I already mentioned it, but a friend and I actually booked a hotel room, read the book and started a business that night. And we had a sale oh within That's eight awesome. hours, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. So, That's so amazing. I, Congratulations, Chris. That yeah. was ba back in the day and, and you tweeted uh, me back. So you've had an uh, influence on me. So thank you. So glad to hear that, man. That's awesome. So as we wrap this up, um, we do this thing called the double tap. Like if we were to just double, double click, double tap on you, a couple questions, rapid fire, just tell me whatever, whatever comes to mind. Okay. Uh, all right. So first, what is a brand that you think has perfected its process that you admire? I was just hanging out with Donald Miller, who's the CEO of story brand. He's also an author and he's just an, done an amazing job with helping businesses reduce confusion, which is a huge problem. So story brand, he's like super invested in process and logistics. And I just so, so, so good. I'm just so admiring of him. Story awesome. brand. Who is someone who's coached or mentored you? I'm not super into mentorship, um, but I have, mm. it doesn't mean I haven't learned from people. No. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has the power within themselves to learn stuff and like, um, but it doesn't mean it's, it's not to say that you haven't learned from people, right? It's like, it's just a kind of like a nuanced thing. So, um, Jonathan Fields is a good friend of mine. I learn from him all the time. He's the, the founder of good life project, which is also a very popular podcast. And, um, he's got this new like personality test called Sparkotypes. And I learn from him all the time, but I also like, I also want to say I learned from my community. Like I learned from just all the people out there that are like tweeting or sending emails like that. That's what I've always tried to be focused on them as opposed to focused on like who is like above me or next to me or anything yeah. like that. I love that. Okay. Um, your favorite <laughs> book or podcast other than all of your own. <laughs> I'm giving all these long form answers to your quick questions. Sorry. I need to like pick it up here, you know? <laughs> Uh, podcast. I like reply all, I like happier with Gretchen Rubin. 
Um, I'm going to go with those two. Reply all, happy with Gresham Rubin. Great. Uh, most entertaining person you follow online? Most entertaining person. Uh, okay. Who is really good with stuff? Um, John Acuff. He does a great job. <laughs> and one app you can't live without? OmniFocus. I'm going to go with OmniFocus. I use that for all my, my tasks. And like it's actually open in another window while we're talking here. It's like when I finish this conversation, here's what I'm going to do next. All my projects, all my tasks. Got to use that. Focused. All right. So everybody that didn't know you before this now knows that you're focused, you're process oriented, you built a community, you've written dozens of books, probably soon to be dozens. But is there anything else you want to leave people with other than to go buy the money tree? Uh, no, that's great. Wonderful conversation. Uh, yeah, check out the money tree. Let me know what you think. Um, if I can help with anything. Uh, yeah, just give a shot. Amazing. Chris, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you wanna see this in color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.